Good Sunday, Sunday evening to everybody and welcome to the On Texas Football live stream. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, and tonight it's me and Jerry Hamilton. Uh, Bobby's not with us tonight, but Jerry, we got plenty to talk about. And I guess from all the Texas fans, I just want to say hi. Hi. Uh, <laughs> because you uh, you definitely got fans in a tizzy on the InsideTexas.com forums, and um, I'll let you talk a what you can, I guess, about that. Well, I mean, look, I think uh, the Texas staff um, uh, probably got some good news here in the last 24 hours, and uh, we'll see um, what happens here in, in, in the coming days. Um, I, that's, that's about what I can say, and um, uh, for all the people asking, is, is there a silent? Uh, yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that answers this question right here off the bat from Jordan Tubin. <laughs> is there a new silent? So there you go. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And look, we always have to remember that all silence don't become public commitments. In this case, I do believe <laughs> that'll be, become a public commitment. Uh, by the way, uh, Blake, we need to mention this. Hayes Fawcett um, just put out that uh, Terry Bussey's announcing his commitment September 28th. That's A&M, LSU, Oklahoma, Alabama, Texas. I still think that's A&M over LSU right now. We'll see which way it goes. Yeah, I know Texas has been trying to get him, but it doesn't look too promising for the Longhorns there. Well, let's. Uh, let, I guess let's just jump right into it. We got plenty of questions starting to roll in. Don't forget. Let's do it. Hey, football scrimmage, recruiting, Whatever you guys want to do, let's get after it. <laughs> That's right. Even Maybe even a little basketball. Yeah, hey, if that? somebody wants that. <laughs> so, hey, Pocasino, thank you. He says, let's go, hook them. Here is for the silent. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Poke Casino, <laughs> for that. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's just start right up here at the top. This first one from E. Kim. And he says, Jerry, how does the 2025 DFW prospects look overall? There's another set of another strong set of prospects. You know, that was a great question. I read that before we get, came on, and I'll tell you what, DFW has been dominant. They've had a great run. 2025 looks like a little bit of a Houston area class right now. Now at the very top, you know, you're still talking DFW probably. Michael Fasusi is one of the top offensive tackles in the country out of Louisville. I think Texas leads Oklahoma and some others there. Um, Lamont Rogers, Ty Haywood, uh, offensive tackles, Rogers out of Mesquite Horn, Haywood out of Denton Ryan. Those guys are actually going to scrimmage this week. Um, you know, I think Ty Haywood's a nationally highly ranked guy, but I still think he has some development to do. I think Fasusi's ahead of him. Lamont Rogers has as much upside as anybody. Uh, Texas has offered all those guys um, in the Dallas area. Then Riley Pettijon, a linebacker out of McKinney High. Uh, a guy that Texas is after. He's ranked 62nd on three industry ranking, 6'3", 200 pounds, really athletic, rangy backer. Texas in on him. Uh, but, you know, when you kind of start looking around, Dalen McCutcheon, who was at Texas unofficially as a wider uh, for the uh, pool party, um, he's a junior receiver out of Lucas Lovejoy High. Uh, but there's more Dallas. I mean, it's more, sorry, more Houston area flavor right now headed into the season in 2025. And now I'll say this, I think the biggest sleeper going right now um, in DFW in 25, not that he's a sleeper for some, uh, is Keelan Russell, the quarterback at Duncanville. I think he's very, very good and easily the best quarterback Duncanville's had. 
Now, I know you were super high on DeCorey Moore, still are. Obviously, he committed to LSU. We'll yep. talk about that here in a little bit. But besides DeCorey Moore, who would you say is the your next favorite prospect out of Dallas Fort Worth? Yeah, Michael Fasusi, uh, offensive tackle out of Louisville. He's just so athletic. I mean, I'm not sure he's kind of got as wide of a base as Kelvin Banks has. He may be more in that uh, Brandon Baker uh, frame. You know, Baker's six four and a half, about three oh five right now. I think uh, where Kelvin Banks might have a little bit of a thicker frame in the thighs and that those areas. So I think Fasusi's a hellacious athlete with great length. Uh, he has got the ideal body quickness you're looking for and reactive quickness offensive tackle. He is one of the most coveted offensive tackles in the country, and he's been on Texas campus twice. Uh, he uh, Kyle Flood's done a good job with him. Uh, so Texas is right there. Ah, well, you're talking about Houston, and uh, this next question actually has to do with that. It's from Cade Roman. He says, do you think Texas could do a better job of recruiting the Houston area? I feel like they do a much better job in DFW. Yeah, I think that's a, uh, I think that's a great point, and Sark's made an emphasis of that. Um, I, I think after the 2022 class went to College Station, per, by and large in the Houston area, um, I, I think Stark put a, a lot more emphasis on the Houston area. Or not that he wasn't before, but look, every time somebody has a really good class, you know, in that Houston area, especially when you're new at Texas, you kind of got to look at it. I mean, Bo Davis recruits Golden Triangle over the North Shore, but they more spot recruit nowadays too. But Jeff Banks has taken on a bigger role in the Houston area. Cypress out to Spring Westfield and some of those schools. Obviously, Blake Gideon, Chris Jackson are also in Houston. So Texas is putting a, a lot of time in the Houston area. And the, like I said, the 2025 class in the Houston area is the best it's been in a while. So it's coming at the perfect time. Hey, hey, I, my phone's – hey, Blake, I want to address something. Yeah, go ahead. My phone's blowing up right now <laughs> on Brandon Baker. Is he committed to Texas? Um, I can tell you this. The high I said, ain't, Brandon Baker's not committed to Texas yet. Simple as that. There you go. Because we had, we had lots of guesses in the chat, too, that were saying Baker. So – uh, well, Jerry, this one's going to be from the Inside Texas Forums, and it says, Jerry, does South Oak Cliff have any 25 or 26 recruits that Texas may have an interest in recruiting? And that's from Easy Money. Wait, re 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 read that one again. Does South Oak Cliff have any okay. 25 or 26 recruits that Texas may have an interest in? You know, they, they may not have that talent level right now that they had on that run. There's a couple of young linebackers over there. I think Shelton is one of them. Um, that, you know, Texas is evaluating, but nobody right now that's just a jump out there and a for sure offer. They have some good freshman, sophomore uh, guys coming up in the system and they'll be evaluated this year. But it's not quite the same level as it had been where there may be three, four guys that were real legitimately good enough uh, for Texas to offer. All right, well, before we move on, Jerry, I need to talk about the crossover group real quick. Uh, on Texas Football, tonight's live stream is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affair firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. And with decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group help, helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. So to learn more, you can go to Cross Oak Group. Dot com. We want to thank them for sponsoring each and every Sunday night. All right, back to the questions. And bear with me here. 
Let's see here. This one from MA Texas. He says, biggest players who Texas cannot afford an injury to. All right, Blake, we both get a crack at this. I love this question. I think it's a big question, a great uh, question. Yeah, uh, by the way, if anybody wonder about Bobby Burton, a little under the weather, um, he'll be back. He'll be back in the morning uh, or tomorrow. He's just a little under the weather. We told him the man. You know, go watch the Real Housewives or something. Take a take take a relaxation <laughs> evening. Um, players, Texas cannot afford an injury to. Um, obviously, you, you start with quarterback, but let's remove that. That's easy. Um, I have Jalen Ford and Jatavion Sanders as my two, um, and that they've been the same for me. Um, you know, I mean, look, Jalen Ford's a preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year, and he's an experienced. All-American candidate linebacker with less experience uh, around him and le less guys that have – I mean, Anthony Hill had a tremendous – I actually talked to somebody else today um, that is very close to Anthony Hill. And um, needless to say, Texas coaches were very pleased with Anthony Hill's scrimmage Saturday. But still, those are young guys. There's some youth. Even Maurice Blackwell, even though he's been in the program, they haven't played a lot of downs. Uh, so Jalen Ford for me on defense for sure. Offense, JT Sanders, because look, Texas can sustain an injury at wideout. They could sustain an injury at running back. They can sustain an injury on the offensive line. I, I know Kelvin Banks would probably be third on my list because you you don't replace first-round left tackles. Um, but, you know, Jatavion Sanders is a walking mismatch, and you just your offense changes if he gets injured. I mean, he is one of the top two or three tight ends in the country. Um, so him and Jalen Ford are my two. I don't know if you got anybody in mind, uh, Blake, or I stole your thunder. Yeah, I like both of yours. How about this one, though? This one just for you, Ryan Sanborn. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I, that because you don't know who the backup specialist no. is. No fake punts, Joe D. Camillas. Don't have him running around <laughs> the end. Okay, not even against Rice or Wyoming. Don't do it. <laughs> Nobody ever thinks of the punter, but I mean, really, there's not any no. proven depth at all. No, that that would become an issue. That would become an issue for sure. De definitely. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one here. Uh, this one from Russell Hinkle. And he says, I'm hearing a lot of uncertainty about Alabama's quarterback situation after the first scrimmage. Who do y'all see getting the starting nod from Saban? Man, Nick hasn't called to ask my opinion, but I, I may be like <laughs> next on the list at this point. Um, I was told a week ago it looked like it'd be Ty Simpson long term, but that doesn't mean game two. I think the thinking is Ty Simpson. Um, but I think it's up in the air. Uh, but last week I was hearing Ty Simpson more, but I'll check in again this week with somebody around that one. Uh, we're going to do a recruiting question here. Jerry Noah Liebig says over under two and a half commits by the Ross game. That's a great number. Um, that's a great number. Um, I'm going to say at September 3rd, or a second. Um, I'm going to say under by smidge. I'm going to say barely under. <laughs> Just a smidgen, huh? All right. Our next one is a super chat from Jimmy Trevino. I want to thank you, Jimmy. And he says, who has the most sacks this year, the most interceptions, the most tackles for a loss? Go, go. You take sacks and I'll jump on the rest, Blake. What you got? That one, that one should be. Surreal. You got to be Sorrell. I think Anthony Hill may end up being two on I, that. I'm, I'm with you on there. Uh, TFL, if it's not Byron Murphy, I'll be surprised. If it's not, that means Alfred Collins finally had the year me and everybody else have been waiting on. Um, 
Most INTs, if Jalen Catalan has yep. 10 healthy games, I think it's him. That's That was going to be my pick, too. So I'm with you. As long as he stays healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, some more scrimmage stuff. I was told today, and it kind of shocked me um, because of who it was that told me how good Malik Muhammad is right now. How impressive he was Saturday. Um, it, 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 that is that from the person that told me that I was kind of taken aback. Malik Muhammad, congrats to you. Had a great scrimmage Saturday, and that's continued. He's had at least two interceptions here in fall camp, and he's been a physical player against the run in high school, but that's really carried over uh, to the power five level early on. He's gained 13 pounds. But he appears faster and just as quick as he was. So Malik Muhammad, uh, watch out for Malik Muhammad. He's coming on, and uh, I was told the uh, Texas is extremely pleased with their cornerback play. That's going to make David Williams happy. He's a, yes. a huge Muhammad fan for sure. Oh, and David, hey, and and DJ Campbell, man, your your guy from twenty twenty two is uh he's he's punishing people in the run game. <laughs> All right, well, we got a lot of questions about DeCorian Moore, so let's just go ahead and tackle that oh, subject. Boy. <laughs> Russell Hinkle says, what are the chances that Texas and Colin Simmons can flip DeCorian Moore? Well, look, I think uh, it'll be a fun recruitment to follow. Um, I, If that's DeCorian's last commitment in the cycle, I'd be surprised. I mean, I um, we'll see what happens. Um, if that is the lasting impression of him making a commitment, that would be very out of the ordinary for a kid ranked in top 10 in the country. Uh, Texas will stay in there um, that, and they will continue to uh, kind of plug away at the Decorian Moore recruitment. And we'll see, uh, we'll see what the seasons hold for these two teams. But I think that one's a long way from being decided. I'll say that. I'm with you on that. Okay. Well, speaking of 25 prospects, uh, if I can find the question. Oh, there it is. It's, this one's from Tommy. And he says, is Texas still in it for Devin Sanchez, the defensive back from North Shore? Yeah, I need to get over there in a couple of weeks. I'm letting these kids get going with their school and, and, and the practices. Uh, but, yeah, Texas is still in it with Devin Sanchez. Again, you know, he was at AM, I believe, that last weekend in July. Um, I could be class this year, depending on who they get, impact that possibly. I mean, uh, but I don't think it'll be a deciding factor. I, I think Texas is in that is in the picture there with everybody in the country. He's one of those rare prospects that hit at right now before he plays the game as a junior. He could literally call any school in the country and say he wants to, uh, to commit there, and they wouldn't turn him down. But I do think Texas uh, is is, is going to be in it for Devin Sanchez. And real quick, Jerry, I know you already talked about it, but I, some people I think coming in late, this question from Kurt Copeland, if you can, again, just reiterate what you said about Bussy. Yeah, Terry Bussy committing September 28th. It looks like AM LSU. It's been AM is the leader for a while. LSU, Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama. Um, but it, the timing for him um, is pretty good for AM. All right, we got a super chat here from Justin Yarbrough. He says, Jerry, with the high school getting started soon, who are some of your top senior risers? And also, it seems like most secondary guys we recruit can play safety as well as corner. Thoughts on that? And hi. 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 Look, I think Dante Carter out of Cibolo uh, Steel safety uh, on three has ranked very high. I believe he's committed to Vanderbilt. Um, 
He's a guy that I know Texas really liked when they were through in the spring and evaluation didn't offer. TCU really liked him when they were through. So he's a guy that's on the radar for a lot of people. Uh, if Texas uh, comes back and, and, and takes a look at a kid at safety, potentially, uh, that's a name to remember. I think he's going to have a big senior year, um, and I think that's a kid that's already on the radar for Texas. But, again, these senior evaluations, they really start when these coaches go to these games. Um, I mean, I, I keep saying it, but Texas went to watch Jamel Johnson, Arlington Seguin play Red Oak last year, and they left talking about Warren Roberson. That's no reflection on Jamel Johnson, good player, doing well at TCU. They 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 thought Warren Roberson was a big-time player, and I think they're right. Uh, you're talking about North Shore a second ago. We've talked about Duncanville. Uh, I want to get your opinion on this. E. Kim says, are you going to be seeing another Duncanville-North Shore 6A football championship game in December? You know, North Shore will be interesting. You know, Coach K uh, left, went to Rice. Um, they kept it in-house as they should. Um, you know, look, it all depends on the health of the quarterback position there for them. They lost a tremendous wide receiver who I think is going to be a big-time player at UTSA last year, one of the more under-recruited kids in the state. Um, so, look, they have some talent for sure at North Shore. They may not be as Division One heavy as they've been in some years, but as long as they keep that togetherness that they've had and they really play hard, if the quarterback bounces back, I think they'll be right there. Now, Duncanville, uh, I think Duncanville is going to be really good, guys. Uh, Keelan Russell, big-time quarterback. I mean, I think big-time guy. Obviously, Colin Simmons and Alex January, good luck with those guys this year. They have a middle linebacker that will knock helmets off on huddle highlight videos, and they have six power five-level defensive backs and they have DeCorian Moore, and they have Caden Durham. I mean, they have serious speed at skill positions. Um, Duncanville's got 25, 30 Division I players, freshmen, the senior class. I was over there again, as you all know, Thursday, and just the kids at the uh, at Colin Simmons' announcement, I go back to what I was saying. They got 30 Division I players over there. They are loaded. Well, staying on the uh, subject of North Shore, Nathan McNamee says, could the Denver-Harris issues at, at Texas A&M hurt their chances with Sanchez with them being former teammates? I don't think so because I think that was all on Denver. Um, you know, look, I, I think that's pretty much all on Denver. Um, that was a kind of a carryover from senior year. Um, so I don't think so. I think, look, the only the thing that could hurt A&M is another questionable season on the field. I mean, that's really what we're getting down to. Uh, the flip side is if Denver Harris goes in and turns it around and does well at LSU, that could actually help them because uh, North Shorty and LSU already have a nice bond. All right, we got a question here from James JJ, and he says, I'm going to ask again, but Danny Okoye, a tight end possibly? I don't, not for Texas. I, I don't see that one. I think he he is an edge all the way. Um, and he is a guy that's going to be in on campus or scheduled to be. Danny Coy scheduled to be in Austin September 17th for the Wyoming game. Now, the interesting thing with that will be um, will be he is scheduling. He has an official visit to Oklahoma scheduled for their season opener. I'm interested interested to see since that's an official. Is his mom going to make that visit? If the mom makes the visit to Oklahoma, I think that could be a real game changer in this recruitment. But he's scheduled to be in Austin the 17th and to, at Tennessee September 30th. The same visit weekends Ryan Wingo will be in Austin and Tennessee. All right. We got a super chat here from Jimmy Trevino. And thank you, Jimmy. And he says, how many quarterbacks and freshmen play week one? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, 
if you're Sark, you're hoping three quarterbacks playing game one because that means you've put up about 60. Um, freshman, true freshman play game one. Oh, I need to pull up the commitment list, but let's say let's say Cedric Baxter is going to play. Jontae Cook's going to play. DeAndre Moore's going to play. Um, Anthony Hill's going to play. Leona LaFowle's going to play. Sadir Mitchell's going to play. Malik Muhammad's going to play. Um, I think you could see Derek Williams and a Warren Roberson on special teams. I think that's nine. Um, I feel like Ryan I missed. Niblet. Oh, do what? Ryan Niblett, maybe? Maybe uh, Colton Vosick, 10. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of it, if there's anybody else I'm missing. You know, would, would Niblett play? Possibly. Um, depends on how, you know, how much that game gets out of hand. Does Trey Wisner make a, an appearance on special teams? Um I, I, I think that is, uh, you know, if Arch gets in, that means Texas really bombs uh, Rice. So I could see I could see up to 13. I could see half the class getting in that game. Yeah, definitely. If it all goes to plan. <laughs> all right, let's see here. You know, it wouldn't be a live stream, Jerry, if we didn't talk about Micah Hudson. So let's go ahead and do that. Uh, Reckless Trey, I hope I'm saying that right. Is Texas still in contact with Micah or has that ship sailed? Um, yeah, Texas still in contact. Um, Texas still in contact with, uh, Micah Hudson. Are they way behind? Yeah. This is Texas Tech's recruitment to lose right now. Um, if your school's recruiting, it's Texas Tech. You just want this to play out as long as possible. Uh, just keep plugging away and see what happens. But right now my picks on Texas Tech and I haven't moved it, but Texas is going to keep trying. All right, well, you said a little bit ago, uh, you talked about Brandon Baker. This question has to do with Baker uh, from Dodgers 988 fan. He says, how is Brandon Baker looking? Um, I think Texas is in a good spot with Brandon Baker. I think they've done very well with the family. Um, he has an official visit scheduled to Nebraska September 16th. Um, Texas is trying to get him back on campus that September 30th weekend when DeAndre Carter scheduled to make an official visit as teammate at modern day. I think Texas, Ohio State, um, I think Oregon's still in their fight and Nebraska's in their fighting. Uh, but I think Texas has done a really good job with the family. Um, and I think Brandon Baker can see envision himself playing at Texas, which is key. Okay, let's do another super chat here, Jerry. This one from William Neesh. He says that, thank you, William. He says, if Texas meets or exceeds expectations for this season, how many elite recruits do you think could jump on board? For example, Hudson. Um, you know, I think uh, that's a tough question. I think a season helps you more in 2025 than it does 2024. I've said that before. I mean, a lot of the haze in the barn by that time, not that it couldn't, impact you with one or two guys, maybe. Uh, but, you know, you look at it. I mean, uh, a great season. I'll tell you what a really good season does, first of all. It keeps all your guys committed. Um, but you look at guys, you know, Dominic McKinley, Wardell Mack, um, Kobe uh, Black, Brandon Baker. Those guys are all going to have decisions um, by, by the time Texas uh, really gets into the meat of their season. Um, I, I just think it helps you more this season – the momentum you gain this season helps you more in 2025. Colin Simmons, along with this class, if they if they, if it comes together correctly, can help you in 25 as much as it can 24, kind of like the Arch class, and, and it helped you in 2024. I mean, with this class. So I just think it's always a year ahead. 
Okay, we got another super chat here, Jerry. This one is from Pope Casino. I want to thank you again. Um, he says, a lot of people seem to think Bama will run all over Texas. I feel like Texas will be forcing Bama to throw, and we will have minimum of two interceptions. What's your thoughts? Well, look, if Texas could force Alabama into the passing game early and often, then uh, Texas is, is winning in, in the chess match. Um, that's for sure. Uh, because Nick Saban, I think he'll use that running clock on first down, young quarterback, and really try to control the game for his defense, with his defense, and for his defense. Um, but look, Alabama's got to—they've got to establish the line of scrimmage from the get-go, um, and, and we'll see—we'll see what happens there um, with that. But I, you know, I, hard to predict interceptions and turnovers. But I'll say this: if if Texas can win that game on first down defensively, I like their chances. Well, while we're on the subject of other SEC schools, let's take this question from Felipe Velasquez. He says, what is it with SEC schools getting all these early commitments for 2025? I saw a top five for 25 were all SEC schools. Why is Texas playing catch-up every cycle? Well, I don't know if Texas is playing catch-up. I, I think uh, Sarkeesian plays a longer game in recruiting. I think they really take their time in the evaluation process. There may be a handful of guys right now that they take commitments from. Obviously, K.J. Lacey's in the class. Um, but Texas is uh, – uh, they they really play the long game. They want to be thorough in their evaluations. I mean, look, think about this time last, uh, last year, Christian Clark was not a name. I mean, just think about that. He ends up being top two running back on the board. So I, I, I don't really have any questions about the way Sark and his staff are recruiting not with the talent I'm seeing in the program on the open media windows, not with back-to-back top five recruiting classes. I think they're thorough in their evaluation. I think, and I think that's smart. I really think that's smart. And I'm not saying there's not 15 kids in the state of Georgia or Florida that are just tremendous players. And if they wanted to commit to Georgia or Florida, uh, they would be dumb. Uh, but look, I think Texas is very smart in the recruiting process. And also know this. You know, you jump in on too many 25s now, that means you may have to cut guys. And I don't necessarily think that's a good practice. And also, you haven't even gone in the portal season. And that can affect what you do in 2025 as well because kids will come in wanting to play. Uh, we got a question here from Glenn Hunt. And he says, please dis- discuss the effect of Sark, Flood, Banks, and Milwee moving going moving going bama to texas both in recruiting and on field performance yeah i think that's a great question glenn hunt and here here's my take on that um sark built this staff to recruit in in the southeast region and i think he he built a really good um staff in that regard i mean you talk about sark flood banks millwee all those guys obviously banks you know but I think I think when that Sark was hired, Saban knew Flood would go with Sark, right? And BDOC, be his OL coach. Those guys are tied at the hip. I think obviously Milwee was wasn't an on-the-field coach, but he would be going. Um, but, but because he was helping with uh game plan with Sark at Bama. But then Jeff Banks as the special teams and tied in coach. I mean, I know from my Alabama sources that Saban was upset that he lost him. He viewed him as a true difference maker in special teams and a guy that recruited Texas very well for Bama. Um, so I think that was Sark. Then, you know, you get down to Adam Bo Davis, who's recruited all the Southeast region states for many years and has key uh, 
key contacts in the greater Houston and Golden Triangle area. Obviously, he began his coaching career at North Shore before he went to the college game. Then Terry Joseph, who's coached in the state of Texas, recruited Louisiana from New Orleans area. This was a staff that was really built to recruit in the southeast part of the country. And then you bring in Deshard Choice after Stan Drayton gets the Temple job as your running back coach. And you added to that um, the interesting uh, addition, Chris Jackson, this year helped Sarkin his footprint out west. He's a modern-day graduate. He spent a lot of time in Arizona. So I think Sark has made some great plays in, in building this staff to recruit in the southeast region while keeping a footprint in SoCal and Arizona where he needs to. All right. We got one here, a super chat from Husky Heisman Max. Uh, thank you. And he says, can you answer East 8's question on one to four? How are we looking? And if that priority is right. And the East 8's question is, McKinley, Baker, Black, Wingo, one through four. Is that the right order of priorities? And do you think there's a good chance of getting all four? Um, look, I'm not sure there is, since these guys play different positions, I'm not sure there is a priority of one through four on them. I think those guys are the top of the board at their positions. So that makes them all number ones for me. So I, I, I'm not sure dancing around the question. I just don't think on a recruiting board it's lined up that way. I think those are the top guys at their positions. Um, and I think Wardell Mack is very coveted at corner as well and defensive back. Um, where do I think – do I think Texas has a good chance of getting all four? Look, not many teams go five for five on five stars, okay? Texas got Colin Simmons. Um, do I think Texas will get all four? Playing the percentages, you got to say no. And It's hard to go five for five on five stars, guys. If Texas gets three, then they're going to be set up in a really good position. I will say this. I think with Dominic McKinley, I think Texas is one of two or three teams he's going to choose from. Um, and I do have some news on that we need to get to. Uh, Brandon Baker, I think Texas is one of two or three teams he's going to choose from. Kobe Black, I think Texas at the end of the day is one of two he's going to choose from. Ryan Wingo, I still think that'll be Missouri, Texas, Tennessee, so one of three. So Texas has more than a puncher's chance at all these guys. Can they close out all four? History of recruiting says no. <coughs> going to be interesting to see how that all works out well jerry before we move forward i'll let you uh get a drink there and then yeah. give us that mckinley news yeah so the latest on dominant mckinley's he's announcing september 1st and thank you for bringing that question up matt uh matthew and blake that reminded me of this so much going on he's uh dominant mckinley katie anna high we're going to bring up his player card number 23 five star six five 280 pound defensive lineman that is so close to uh, so similar to Alfred Collins and skill set and frame it's scary same that same 35 plus arm length um, and athleticism and upside to be a 315 pounder uh, he's gonna decide September 1st I can tell you this he's expected to take some time away from talking to coaches him and his family talking to the college staffs and coaches here for the next seven eight nine ten days as they kind of get into this real decision-making part of the process leading up to September 1st. I think there's been really good communication with Texas um, uh, to this point, and uh, we'll see which way it goes. But that's my update is, you know, look, I think they're going to take some time now. You're getting down to the, to, to, to the nitty-gritty of this recruiting process. They're going to take a few days here, just the family, kind of really talk through things, take some time away from the phone calls, all the pressure of the recruiting process, and really get into this decision-making process ahead of September 1. So I think this week they probably won't talk to college coaches. That will begin again next week. 
All right. Well, Jerry, before we move on, and we still have a ton of time to get your questions in, so please do so. I need to tell everybody at the, about the Cross Oak Group once again. And uh, on Texas Football's Sunday Night Live stream is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. They're one of the leading government affair firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. And with decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. And for more information, you can head on over to www.crossoakgroup.com. So thank you very much for sponsoring. And man, we got a ton of super chats here. So let's knock out a few in a row so we can make a dent in them. Uh, this first one is from Katie 35 I am the best. He says, Texas is going to potentially make a run here for King Joseph Edwards. Uh, I still think he has a ton of upside. Got to get him on campus again. I need to actually, uh, um, I actually need to check on that again. I, I, you know, last time I talked to KJ, he said he was going to visit during the season, but nothing's really come out on that from Chad Simmons, our national analyst who lives in Georgia. Um, but I'll, I'll double check on that this week and see how much contact there still has been. But again, right now it seems like with Colin Simmons on the commit list, you know, we know Zena, we know Danny Okoye, we know Solomon Williams. So those are guys already to have taken uh, uh, official visits. Danny Akoy set to come back. Obviously, Zena will be at some home games this year. Solomon Williams in the process of scheduling an official visit. So I'll be surprised on KJE, but I will check uh, this week. All right. This next super chat is uh, from Shillsbury, and you kind of touched on this with McKinley. But you said he says, man, I haven't heard any buzz about five-star defensive line guys after Simmons' commitment. Could that change soon? Well, there's only one as far as the five-stars, and that's Dominic McKinley. We just uh, uh, kind of threw out the latest on his recruitment. I, I think Texas is right there, Texas, Oklahoma. You know, Ohio State's being called you know, a potential sleeper there that could shock people, and I know Larry Johnson's done a good job with Dominic McKinley. Um that would be interesting if the family would actually let him go that far away from home. I, I, I would be surprised, but I've been surprised in this business before. I'll say that. That wouldn't um, follow the it. pattern of this recruitment. <laughs> let's do one more super chat here. This one from <laughs> Jimmy Trevino. Thank you again, Jimmy. He says, Gibbs and CJ killed us. Six defensive starters that were massive. All are gone. I'll say it again. Week two with Milrow very bad against a &E Um. I think Alabama will be very good on defense. I, I think they've, you know, just doing this job as I have nationally for a long time, now more focused on inside Texas, but still being very familiar with those kids. Um, I think Texas, I mean, I think Alabama has some really good defensive talent. I, I don't, here's where they, or I think Alabama is different though. They used to could overwhelm you offensively. And, and they, people would go up against Bam and they used to worry about Nick Saban's defense. Then it turned to, my gosh, we got to hold them under 50. <laughs> that's not the Alabama of today offensively. Um, if Alabama scores 50 on somebody, they've played really bad defense right now. I just into an experience at quarterback that they don't have that same juice at wide receiver. I'm not saying they don't have draft picks, but they had four first round guys. They had as good a receiver cores, talented a receiver cores we've ever seen outside of a Miami Hurricanes team, maybe. Um, so they don't have that level. An offensive line, I think their right side guys are first rounders, JC Latham, and I'm a big Tyler Booker fan long term. I'm not sure they have the, quite that depth of NFL talent, just 
multiple third round, fourth round guys backing up starters who are first and second round guys right now. They can't overwhelm you offensively. They're still going to be very good defensively. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how Nick Saban attacks the Texas game with an experienced quarterback. Well, you're talking about college coaches. Let's go to high school coaches with this question. Jordan Tupin says, how much does a high school head coach play a role in getting their athletes recruited? There's been some elite talent in Austin that goes unnoticed, and I'm wondering if it's from lack of exposure. You know, that's a great question. And um, here's the thing. High school coaches used to play a much bigger role. The recruiting calendar changed, for one. There's more seven-on-seven now, obviously. There's more personal training. There's more... Parents taking kids all around the country and recruiting at a young age. So the recruiting process and calendars change so much that a Texas high school coach, yeah, they can help kids, especially in areas maybe that haven't had as many Division I players. If you don't get as much foot traffic, I call it, through from college coaches. So if you have a Jonathan Brooks at Hallettsville, that high school coach can help Jonathan Brooks as a young guy making calls. Hey, I got a freshman, guys. Y'all need to know about knowing that he doesn't get a 50 to 60 college coaches through his school every year, twice a year. At Duncanville, there's no secrets. At North Shore, at all these schools in Houston and Dallas, there's virtually no secrets unless it's a kid who pops up that was maybe a basketball guy that's playing late. There was a kid at Langham Creek two years ago, I think he's going to start at end at TCU, who I went and saw, who I thought was a tremendous prospect. I was like, I don't know, who, who is this guy? That was in the spring. And they're like, oh, yeah, he just came out from basketball. I thought the kid is going to be an NFL player. Watch him as a senior. So there's a few guys like that in the Houston-Dallas schools. And his head coach, Todd Thompson, definitely helped him in the recruiting process. But by and large, in the big city areas, there's no real secrets anymore because of the recruiting calendar, the recruiting process has changed. So the high school coaches job isn't what it used to be in that regard. But there's certain times that these high school coaches really have to help their kids. For sure. All right. Well, somebody that we haven't talked about too much tonight and that we usually get asked about is Wingo, Jerry. And uh, the Rational Texan says Mizzou seems to be making a big push with their in-state guys. Is Texas falling behind on Ryan Wingo? Falling behind? I don't know. Let's see uh, that September 17th visit for the Wyoming game with Wingo, uh, then makes that Tennessee trip. Look, I mean, Missouri, has they've had some success keeping five stars home. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. They lose a lot of guys out of state, but some of those top guys they've kept too. Um, and let's let's see what happens, how this plays out this season. But a losing traction, I don't know about that. I think it just went from maybe Missouri maybe being more outside looking in with Texas-Tennessee to now being a real three-team battle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. 
Uh, let's do some more super chats now. This one from Texas boy. <laughs> and he says from top to bottom, the 23 linebacker class will be the best in the SEC next year. Akana will be in the rotation this year. What's your thoughts? Um, I'm not sure on Akana. I have not heard that. I, I think he's a designated pass rush specialist coming in. Um, and if you can get to the quarterback, look, there may you have a chance. Um, the 23 linebacker class best in the SEC. I boy, I'd have to I have to make a couple of calls, maybe one out to Athens to see what they're thinking now. Um, uh, but we shall see. I do think Texas has a tremendous line, group of freshman linebackers, and that's not just counting the guys you're really going to see on the field. Anthony Hill, who may be a starter again for those that have just come in to this chat. I was told today um, by somebody who's very close to Anthony Hill that he had a great scrimmage Saturday, and a couple of Texas coaches reached out and said, "This guy, uh, he's doing exactly what he was doing in the spring." Um, and so Anthony Hill's really coming through. Then Leon LaFowl is going to play. Then you have guys like Samaje Burrell. Since he wasn't an early enrollee, that really set back his development and learning curve. So you might not see him much this year, if any, but he has a lot of ability. You have a Darian Gillette who's coming off ACL. He's back practicing full speed, but he needs some time to learn the position. You mentioned to Celia Connor. So we'll see where some of those guys go. So you may see two guys on the field this year a lot. Um, but you may, that doesn't mean there isn't more talent than that. They have some really good prospects uh, in that freshman class. All right. Well, guys, plenty of time to get your questions in. Please do so. And, Jerry, let's actually take one here uh, from the Inside Texas board. This one from Horn NBA. He says, has Arch moved into the QB2 role? Well, you know, we'll see on that. He played a lot of second team as the scrimmage went on a Saturday from what Justin Wells, uh, myself, we all heard. Um uh, but that wasn't, you know, maybe that wasn't Malik's best day, right? So we'll see. I think the competition will always go on. Uh, but I'm here to tell you guys that uh, Arch Manning is, uh, he, he, whatever the expectations were for him, he's delivering. And I actually had somebody tell me today, I had no idea the kid was that fast. <laughs> and this guy's watched a lot of football at a very high level. <laughs> so so he's, that, he's, he's impressing in multiple ways. That's good to hear for sure. Well, that previous question is going to lead me to the super chat, Jerry. It's from Kabir Hussein. He says, do you think Arch is automatically going to be the starter post yours because of all the money invested recruiting him? Do you think that even factors in? Um, look, I think, look, I, I've said one thing and I, I, I remain the same as um, uh, I, I walk into the, the co-op and the UT team store and they're selling two, two quarterback jerseys, Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. Um, I before that even happened, I pick Arch to be the next starting quarterback at Texas, but that's just because of how good I think he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, uh, when Chris Sims signed with Texas, Mac Brown wasn't going to let him transfer out. Um, Quinn Ewers was going to be a starting quarterback at Texas. Um, I, I'll take Arch Manning to be the starter. Is it about money? No, I don't think it's about money. I think the I think this kid's really really good. Right, this next question here is from Clifton Hines, and I, I like this question. He says, what's the pecking order and positions for the freshman offensive line? Well, they mixed and matched so much Saturday during a scrimmage. It's kind of a, somewhat of a guessing game right now. Um, I think you saw Trevor Gooseby get third-team reps at a, a left tackle, maybe even some a couple of second-team reps late after they took out first-team guys. Um, I think uh, – you know, Andre Kojo got some third team reps, maybe a few at second team. He had a minor ankle roll, came back into the scrimmage. 
I think Peyton Kirkland got some third team reps at guard, Connor at left guard, Connor Stroh at right guard. Um, I think Jaden Chapman about the same. So I think those guys are all on kind of in that area right now. Um, I think the first, you know, your first, the, the real competition right now, and I think it's good for these guys because this was more of a developmental class coming in. I mean, look, I mentioned this on Inside Texas, which if you're not a subscriber to Inside Texas, go over there, $1 for your first month or 25 off for your annual subscription. Uh, but Trevor Gooseby showed up in Austin at 271 pounds. He's 297 now. Um, I mean, so these freshman guys, they got some development to do physically. Andre Koja was 16 when he showed up in Austin. He's going to be eight. He's not even going to be 18 when he plays his first college game probably in a year from now. Not that he might not show up on the field a little this year, but, uh, you know, I, th these guys are more of in a developmental role because the guys in front of them are really, really good. So it gives these guys time to develop. That's when you know your program's getting it where you want to be on the offensive line. I think that coming the rest of fall camp, DJ Campbell, the competition at right guard, uh, Hayden Connor Neto at left guard. Uh, that's with Cole Hudson, who's also playing some center, playing all both guard spots. But I think DJ Campbell's playing really well at right guard, and I think Neto's doing enough to uh, push at left guard. Not saying who the starters, if if Connor uh, Hayden Connor is going to be beat out, just that there's real competition. All right, we're going to go back to the Inside Texas uh, forums over here and get another question from there from a subscriber. This one from JF Glenn. He says, we hear all the time that commits go somewhere else because Texas didn't push, such as the case with Blockton. Do we ever get commits because other teams back off? Um, That's a great question. <laughs> I can think of maybe, I can think of one guy in the last class, and I'm not going to name it, but I can think of one guy in the last class that um, maybe one school was slow to offer. Um, and that really cost him, if that makes sense. Uh, totally pulling off. Um, I mean, look, that's a tough one. I mean, because Alabama offers 300 guys a year to get them to camp, but that doesn't mean those offers are committable. So that's where it gets a little tricky for me. Uh, does a kid go to Alabama camp thinking he's going to commit and then he doesn't actually have that opportunity? Do you count that? Maybe. Being real. <laughs> so we're gonna get we're gonna take another one from the inside texas forum and this one from uh Flugerville horn 2016 he says just from an athleticism standpoint to be clear not talking about as a quarterback holistically athleticism only is mac duggan a good comparison for what we could expect from arch if he needs to scramble um god that's a good question um Maybe potentially. I mean, you know, the thing with Arch is he's going to be 225 pounds. I mean, he's a, he's a he's going to be a big kid. I mean, he's still listed at 212. I'd be I'd be surprised if he weighs 212 right now. Um, after just seeing him a few weeks ago, and we're in town for a recruiting event. Um, I, I don't think that's a bad comparison. I would need some time to think about that, but that's probably not bad. Arch is going to surprise people with his athleticism but, but the great thing about him is he's only going to use it after uh read three isn't there and he's forced to get get going with the, with the, with the feet okay, well, now we're going to do a super chat jerry this one from shillsbury again we want to thank him this is the second one he says favorite nfl preseason moment for rookie long like that's a question for you man i mean i've seen a couple of clips of roshan's run obviously. that was going to be my answer jerry I, go, go go for it blake I, didn't, I just saw a clip i didn't watch it so you go ahead go ahead i'm too I'm knee deep in other stuff right now. Football. Honestly, I haven't got to watch much preseason either. Uh, 
but yeah, Roshan's clip, if you haven't seen it, go online. I'm sure you can Google Roshan Bears run and it'll come up. But he broke, what, probably five tackles to gain about 20, 25 yards. And then I heard, I haven't got to see it yet. I heard that Overshone's kind of showed out yesterday for Dallas, but I haven't got to see any of that yet. So that, I don't know, that's hard for me to answer too. Yeah, I we'll, mean. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Bijan's <laughs> got a few weeks to make people grab grass. Yeah, and Bijan didn't play for the Falcons the other night. So, yeah. All right, here we go. Another super chat, Jerry. This one from Jose Gamboa Jr. Thank you, Jose. He says, between Texas and OU, who do you think will have the better stable of running backs this year, considering they both have talented, young, unproven guys? I'm, I'm, I go with Texas on that. I think Jonathan Brooks is going to surprise people and be an NFL draft pick. I think Cedric Baxter, Baxter is a future NFL draft pick. I can tell you that Keelan Robinson has an NFL draftable grade, and that might surprise some people, but you got to remember, he's got really good hands. He factors strongly in the special teams. Jaden Blue is tremendous catching the ball out of the backfield um, and is a space player as a runner. He's not going to do a lot between the tackles as, in terms of dropping pads if you need four and getting five type of runs, but he's a really good space player. If you get him out in space, I could see him making some big plays against Rice and Wyoming where those guys can't close angles. Um, so I think Texas is – I go with Texas because I think they have two between-the-tackles runners in Jonathan Brooks and Baxter – and I think Baxter's going to be really good there because of his vision, his peripheral vision. Everything's kind of clicking from a vision perspective at a young age at running back, which is huge. And he's 6'1, 218. But then you got those versatile guys too, Keelan um, and Jaden Blue. So uh, even with Savion Red's injury and uh, whatnot, um, I think Texas is really looking good at running back this year because they've got versatility and they all fit in the Sark scheme. Okay, we have a, we've had a lot of questions about linebackers today, so let's take some of those. Uh, this first one is from Victor Santiago. He says, we're taking one linebacker this class, but who would love to flip Smith from A&M? Well, I think Texas agrees with you on that. I mean, look, Justin Williams would be a very tough one to flip. Uh, he's committed to Georgia, so I'm not even going to say that's a possibility. I mean, let's see what happens um, at A&M uh, this year, but I think Texas would love to flip Ty Anthony Smith and uh, – We'll see what happens as the season go, moves along. Uh, but he's the in-state guy I, I would have my eye on. Not saying it's going to happen, but I think that's who Texas would push the hardest for. And then looking ahead one more year, any top linebackers or tight ends Texas is looking at in 25? Yeah, I think uh, Bear Tenney obviously uh, tied in up at, uh, that moved into the Dallas area uh, from Arizona. He's been on campus a couple of times. Yeah, he's one for sure at tight end in-state. Um, linebacker, you know, this is interesting. There's some long rangey guys like Jonah Williams at Galveston ball. is going to be a linebacker. Maybe have a little bit of a narrow frame, but he can really run good baseball player. Obviously his brother was a signed with Texas, but was a big time, uh, drafted guy that had a cup of coffee in major league baseball. Riley Pettijon. I mentioned him out of McKinney, a six, three, 200 pound rangy linebacker. There's some guys like that in the state that I know Texas really likes right now. There's some edge hybrid guys like a Max Granville at Fort Bend Academy that Texas is going to be watching. Um, and then there's uh, Bo Barnes. I, got, I have to mention Elijah Bo Barnes at Dallas Skyline, 6'3", 210 pounds, has a really good frame, uh, a guy that Texas has had on campus. So that's three 2025 linebackers in state uh, that the Longhorns definitely like and will be evaluating this season. Oh, man, some of these comments in the chat are killing me today. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, here's a question from Sonny V. He says, when you talk to these kids as sophomores and juniors, do they ever ask you about early enrollment advantages? Um, for sure. But look, I, here's my message to kids. If you can be an early enrollee, and especially in the NIL area, and you're not, you're missing the boat. I mean, I, this is the one piece of advice I'll give in recruiting. If you can be an early enrollee and you're not from a football standpoint, you're missing the boat. If you're combined football in the NIL era, if you're not doing it, you're really missing the boat. I mean, that's all I got to say. Every kid's goal should be to be an early enrollee right now that can be. Some states don't have it. It's not possible, right? Or some schools don't have it. You'd have to change schools. So there's some instances not possible. But if you are not looking at that option, you're making a mistake in college football recruiting right now, if you ask me. All right, this one from the Inside Texas Forums. Again, Jerry, it's from Northern Horn. I'm interested to hear what you think on this. What uh, is the bigger recruiting win, Arch Manning or Colin Simmons? Um, it's Arch. Yeah. Um, because he may be the last Manning that plays quarterback that's recruited <laughs> for a long time. And uh, Arch was looked the number one player in the country. I mean, I've never seen a guy send out a I committed to the University of Texas tweet and it got you over 100,000 followers immediately as your first, uh, <laughs> as your first tweet in life. Um, and just then what that does for Steve Sarkeesian, the stamp of approval that he got as the head coach at the University of Texas was massive. And without Arch Manning, I'm not sure Colin Simmons is there. So look, Peyton Manning. When he committed to Tennessee, really got Fulmer, who was a great recruiter already, but that started bringing in players, players, players to Tennessee. Peyton missed the national title by one year, but all those guys to help Phil Fulmer win it, Peyton Manning had a big part in getting the Austin, I mean, getting the Knoxville. So I can see some similarities there. But look, Colin Simmons is huge too, because he's the number one player in the state at, an, at a position where Maybe he could be the best Texas has had since name the guy Rackpo, somebody like that. He's got that talent level. Um, so it's a huge win. Duncanville High School, number one pro prospect in the state, number one edge in the country. It was a big one too, but it's hard to be bigger than Arch Manning. I mean, Arch Manning to me is right there. And I wrote something on Inside Texas a couple of days after Arch um, committed. I mean, the biggest recruitments for the University of Texas – um, I mean, I had Vince, obviously. That was a big – T.J. Ford was a huge one at the time because Vince and T.J. became – Texas became a cool school. Um, you know, Corey Redding, Chris Sims. I mean, you're in elite, elite categories, uh, Arch Manning is. Well, before we move on, Jerry, I need to tell everybody about the cross. Uh, by the way, James Way said T. Martin had a bigger part in getting the players to Knoxville. No chance. No, no chance, man. He may have got, he got the ring, but no chance. <laughs> All right. Well, this Sunday night live stream is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affair firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business, and with decades of experience ranging from the state house to the White House. Crossroad Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom line. So head on over to crossroadgroup.com to learn more. And we want to thank those guys. Okay, here we go. Let's see. We got another super chat here. And then I think we're completely caught up on them, Jerry. Justin Yarbrough says, y'all could add one guy to the staff 
like the Texas staff, who would it right, be? Right. Um, that's a great question. I'm trying to think of, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, maybe get Gary off the golf course. I don't know. Um, I think I love the staff as it is right now, the on the field coaching staff. I mean, is there some, I mean, Joe DeCamillis, I think was a great hire by Sarkeesian. Great. That might've been it before the season because, you know, Jeff Banks has a lot on his plate. I mean, and, and having a second set of eyes in special teams, especially that set of eyes, um, that's huge because Jeff Banks has a lot of responsibilities, um, uh, has a lot of responsibilities within the Texas program, coaching and recruiting. So I thought Joe DeCamillis was about as good a hire as Sark can make. It would be hard for me uh, to pick somebody better than that. Somebody saying Dwayne Aquina. I mean, look, I mean, I guess we found Bobby Burton's uh, handle. Um, <laughs> Burton <here>. account. <laughs> Crystal and CJ Robinson. There's Mr. Burton making an appearance. Now, Bert, Bobby and Dwayne have been friends for years. Hey, Dwayne Aquino is a great defensive back coach. What, wish him all the best at Arizona. And a great guy, too, for sure. All right. Well, you talked about D. Camillus. What about Paul Chris, Jerry? Chris Peterson said, or Preston, I'm sorry, says, given Sark is a genius offensive mind, what are we expecting from Chris, or how can he contribute? I think the great thing about we saw with Gary Patterson last year, Bobby mentioned it uh, with Paul Christ is that second open media window day, Paul Christ is in the end zone taking notes, right? Sark's out there coaching on the field in practice. As a coach, you don't get the good. And Sark says it all the time. These coaches said all the time when they get hit with questions after a practice or after a game, we got to go watch the film. That's totally true. You're out there coaching. Um, so you're missing things. If you look one way, you're going to miss something, right? You're watching one wide receiver run around, you're going to miss something. So having Paul Chris set of eyes there, taking notes, like it's from the end zone. Like if you ever go watch coaches love my dad, when my dad was a high school coach, they love to watch the game from the end zone view, right? That's where you really scout. So Paul Chris sitting there with that end zone view of a entire play, watching every guy kind of do their job, I think is invaluable uh, for Sarkeesian as invaluable set of eyes. Will they, will he, will they change much in the run game? I, I, I think, Texas is going to do what they do, and I think they're going to do it well because they have really good players. And I'm going to go back over to the Inside Texas Forum, Jerry. This one from B-Town1110. And he says, how does OU missing on Inwanery impact the McKinley recruitment? Um, You know, I don't know. I don't know if they're tied together, um, honestly. I mean, I, I think Dominic McKinley is such an interesting recruitment to me, guys. Because he's kind of in his own lane. He's running his own race. Um, I don't think he's the guy on all the text message threads with other recruits as much as other guys are. Um, I think he is really running his own race in his own lane. Um, he is not a, a big social media kid. When you interview him, it's easy to tell he's a great kid. But it's easy to tell that he's taken a different approach to the recruiting process. Um, so I think relationships are really everybody talks about relationships. I think relationships are going to be really huge on this one. And then the academic component with the mom. I don't think Dominic McKinley's going to any school because one player did or didn't. I can say that. OK, this next one from David Williams. He says, Jerry, considering Colin Simmons is currently ranked number eight. If he has a comparable year in 23 that he had in 22, do you think he can move up to number three ahead of the four defensive players ahead of him? 
You know, uh, we'd have to see on that. I mean, I think all these guys are going to have really good years. But, yeah, I think Colin Sepp, that potentially have a great year. Um, I think Alex January is going to be really good on the interior. I think uh, I, I think Colin's going to have a great year against the national schedule on TV multiple times. Um, but, look, I think the thing is some people in this business are going to – and I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they're right. I've been there. It's a difficult job when you're evaluating five, 600 kids for a top 300 and – those kids trying to get those kids into a top 30, top five, top 10. I think it's going to depend, David, because some people are going to take the 6'5", 240-pound guy that they see as having higher upside frame-wise physically. Um, but here's the thing. Colin's the best pass rush prospect in the country, bottom line. I was talking to one of the best high school coaches in DFW today, and he said, that guy's special. He said, that guy's special. And this guy had – two five stars in the last three years. Um, so I think Colin's the best edge rush, natural edge rush prospect in the country. But some guys are going to have guys with bigger frames ranked ahead of him. But Will Anderson, I don't think – I'd have to go back and look at rankings. We had him at Under Armour Camp in Atlanta. God, that was a cold day. But I don't think Will Anderson was maybe at the third or fourth guy in his class. That you're, talk, you're talking about evaluating prospects. You've obviously been in this business for a long time, Jerry. So nobody better to answer this next question uh -oh. but you. <laughs> Hook on from OKC says, can you explain how the recruiting services, such as on three rivals, 24-7, uh, how do they evaluate? Look, I can't speak for how everybody does it, um, but I can speak for how I did it and I know how Bobby did it. Um, we're slight, maybe slightly different because of our time when we were doing it. But the way I've always approached this business is – um, the tape is 80% of it for me. I try to approach this job like college coach does. You watch the tape. You've been doing this long enough. Okay, this guy's got a certain level here, maybe versus some other guys, right? But then you got to go see it as much as possible. We don't get to see every kid, man. There's 2,400 kids that sign Division One every year. Some of these kids are come off a of basketball court and play as a senior in high school. Some are track guys that develop late and don't pick up football late. Uh, so we, but we see as many as we can. Thank you to the Nike camps and now Under Armour camps. That gives us a chance that more of an AAU setting, at least some one-on-one -on -one settings for these guys. Um, so you see them in person. You know, the high school visits are huge. Have always been huge for me because, um, you know, just just talking about these guys. What makes these guys tick? What the mental eval part of it? Um, and when I go watch some of the top players, a lot of times I want to go see them when I think they may lose a game. Um, or in the really tough game, uh, because you don't have to see these top guys in adverse situations on a football field very often. But the more you can, the more it can tell you a little bit, or at least give you a little, maybe a little bit of a red flag, or maybe check a box positively. And then the other thing is, the big guys. I love to watch them play basketball. Like some of these guys, these bigs that maybe you're going to be slower to develop physically. You can watch them play basketball. You can see the feet, the knee bend. The reactive quickness is huge for offensive tackles. Sometimes that can really come through on a basketball court. So I think you have to put it all together. Now, what you also have more of nowadays in our industry, which is helpful in rankings, but it can also lead down the path of um, maybe paralysis by analysis at times, is you have, the height, you have the heights, the weights, the shoe sizes, the wingspans, the arm length, the hand sizes from all these camps, right? You have access to that information. So you can almost make it to NFL combine when these kids are 16, 17, and 18 years old. Um, so sometimes it's a tricky deal. I think the hardest thing to do is just putting it all together.
But then when you come to these rankings meetings, you normally have three or four guys in there and not everybody's going to agree. Um, so then you got to come to an agreement and there's times you stand on a table and there's sometimes then you don't no different from when a college staff's having a meeting and the DB coach stands on the table and says, I want this guy. I'm willing to stand on the table for him. Uh, I know you guys have a different opinion. I want to coach this guy. I believe he's going to be a great player. No different than that. Well, let's switch gears and uh, do some team-related questions now. This one from Hookem from OKC. What have you heard about Quinn going through his progressions? I'll tell you what. He had a great – from what I was told, he had a great throw to Jatavion Sanders when he was pushed up into the pocket, stepped into the pocket, made maybe a little move going right. Jatavion was running across her. And it was actually a play that Leona LaFowle and Malik Muhammad both caused a fumble on. I think it was reported to Leona LaFowle. I actually think it may have been Muhammad's helmet, but it was both guys. But that was a play that I was told that Quinn really made it. That was a play that the Texas staff really liked. He stepped up when he was being flat or when he was getting pressure from the outside, stepped up into the pocket, made a little move right, made a really accurate throw off balance under duress. To, San, to JT Sanders, those are the throws um, stepping up into the pocket where if we see that consistently on the field this year, I think Quinn's set up to have a really good year. But I, I think he's I think he's doing well. Look, he's always going to have some gunslinger in him. You can't take all of that away. You just want him, as Bobby Burton said, um, uh, you just want him to harness it a little more. All right, this next one's from Eric T. And he says, where is Zach Swanson, Xavion Bryce, uh, that, I think it's Dre Bledsoe and Aaron Bryan on the depth chart. I'll tell you what, Aaron Bryant, he can anchor against the run now. Sark mentioned him in a press conference last week along with Dre Bledsoe as guys having good camps. And I think Dre is becoming <clears throat> flashing more consistently as an athletic disruptor guy that could potentially be an interior pass rusher. Um, I still think, you know, he'll play. We'll see Dre Bledsoe this year. I think we'll see a lot of Dre Bledsoe the two following years. He is the best athlete on the defensive line. Uh, for Texas, I, and I, I'm, I feel confident saying that, knowing there's going to be a recording of me saying that. The guy's a freakish athlete for his size. I think Aaron Bryan is strong against the run, and that's going to have its place for sure. Um, uh, it's just going to come down to how many snaps those guys get to play. I think Texas will play a six-man rotation on an interior defensive line. Hot, a, lot of, a lot of hot weather games early in the season. Okay, this next oh, one. Oh, sorry, I didn't mention uh, Xavier Bryce. Haven't heard a lot about him. I think third-team corner. Zach Swanson's still working on getting bigger. He's got to keep getting bigger. All right, Ricardo Rivera has a good question. He says, you always hear about continuity being so important with the starting offensive line. Is it a concern the interior spots are still up for grabs? I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a concern. Um, I think these guys have all played a lot of football now. Um, and I think that's what made makes the job – the competition so tough for DJ and Neto coming into the season, especially if Hudson had been healthy in the spring um, was all five starters are coming back and they started every game <clears throat> last year. But <clears throat> at the same time um, now I'm, I'm, that's not a concern. I've not heard that would, should be considered a concern right now. I think it's actually a positive thing that Texas feels like they have eight guys they can play in games in a rotation. Um, again, I, I think that speaks to the talent level in this program. Um, and, and I think it speaks to the uh, development of the staff. So I haven't heard anything negative about it. I actually think it's a positive right now. Could I be proven wrong? Always possible. 
All right, Jerry. Well, we got time for about one or two more, then we better wrap up. Uh, this first one is going to come from Hookem from OKC. He says, can you compare how Strong and Herman and Sark at, or how they are as recruiters? Thanks. Okay, well, um, let's, I'll take I'll remove Tom from that. So Strong, I think, was a great closer in recruiting, actually. I, I think Charlie Strong is probably one of the better recruiters that I've been around. Um, I think he has some real strengths. I mean, you don't go in the Lakeland High at Florida and get six guys off the best team that state's ever had. And I think four or five were draft picks. Um, Charlie Strong can really recruit and really recruit late in the game. Uh, he is uh, actually really good with kids, really good with families. He is a strong recruiter. Um, Sark, I think, is he's, I think the big thing for both of those guys is they're genuine when they, you feel like they're genuine when you talk to them. And I think that is such the key in recruiting. I think, uh, especially nowadays with these kids, anything a coach has said in the past is on YouTube, from press conferences, it's it's on Twitter. It's hard to run from comments you've made before. So these kids and these families can go do better research on these coaches. So the being genuine is easily number one. And I think that's what makes Sark so good as a recruiter. He builds, he is a genuine guy and he builds relationships from a genuine place. And uh, Colin Simmons' mom, Monica, mentioned that when I talked to her. We had that story in Inside Texas um, after Colin committed that she said, Sark is my guy. And the only way a head coach is your guy with a mom of a recruit is if she feels like you're a genuine uh, and have the genuine best interests at heart for her son. Uh, we just talked about how he recruits. Now, this next question talks about the phase before that. It's from East Eight. We'll make this the last one tonight, Jerry. He says, I know we haven't seen four years of development, but the hit rate on recruits from the staff seems to be higher than any I've ever seen at Texas. Can you talk about how this staff evaluates? Yeah, I think it's a great question, East Eight. And I know for some Texas fans, they like the, the qu couple of questions we had earlier, Texas has fallen behind. Well, this is why I like the staff, because I think they recruit through the whistle and evaluate through the whistle. Um, I think you can fill up too fast, and then you've got to cut guys, which you really don't want to do, um, and then you have all that, that muddy water to get through. I love how this staff continues to evaluate. I mean, I, I've said it before. Christian Clark wasn't on, on the radar at this time last year, and he ends up being a top two back on the board for Tashard Choice, who's proven to be a really good running back coach and evaluator. So – that is, to me, is the strength of this staff. I think that I think Sark's built a really good staff around him, Billy Glasscock, uh, some of those other guys. I think he's built a really good recruiting operation that does a great job evaluating guys, gets those guys to the position coaches and assistant coaches, and then the evaluation process takes the next step. But I really like that Texas does not fill up early. They don't move off their A's and go to many B's. Um, that is maybe some of the past staffs have. I like that they play the patient game in recruiting because as fast, as accelerated as the recruiting process has become, the developmental process of these guys is still the same. It's not accelerated like the recruiting process is, is accelerated. So the longer you evaluate, the better you are. Now, I will say this too. If you're a blue blood, you have that advantage, Blake, because of the portal. You can swing and miss on a couple of A's and know you can go into the portal and get a starter. So, but here's where Sark and his staff are good. They have the right strategy. They're not taking 
the guys that they consider B high school guys because they know if they miss out on a couple of A's, they can go to the portal. So they understand where they're at and they understand what they can get. And they also understand who they have to get to get to where they want to be ultimately. So I give the staff an A plus on the way they evaluate and go through the recruiting process. I don't know. I said that was the last one, Jerry, but we got a super chat that just rolled in. So let's knock it out. Then we'll call it a day. It's from Jay the activist. And he says, are you a fan of dual threat quarterbacks? I am in the college game. Anytime you can put that pressure on the defense. Absolutely. But I, I've changed over the years, but I think the game has evolved over the years and changed. I like dual threat quarterbacks who are passers first mm-hmm. and then use that ability last unless they're in an offense that dictates otherwise. Um, so, you know, like I consider, I consider Bryce Young somewhat of a, a dual threat in the college game for me because when things break down, he may it may not be running for 50 yards, but it is making plays with his feet. And that could be getting eight yards for a first down on third and seven. It could be making the plays to get that ball out of his hand. So I look at dual threat a little different nowadays, um, but it's all scheme dependent. But you got to be in passer first and a runner second. Um, and I think most of these uh, uh, top programs see it the same way. All right, Jerry. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football. Of course, we want to thank the Crossup Group for sponsoring. Uh, then let me give a quick shout out to all the Super Chats tonight. Poke Casino, Jimmy Trevino, Justin Yarbrough, Harry Orange Wookiee, uh, Jimmy Trevino. And oh, I'm sorry, I already said that one. William Niche, KD35, I am the best. Shillsbury, Husky Heisman Max, Texas Boy, Kabir Hussein, Jose Gamboa Jr. And then last but not least, Jay the Activist. We appreciate everybody uh, for tuning in. Appreciate the Super Chats. And then we'll be back tomorrow morning at 8, I believe, uh, with Bobby. Hopefully, he, he'll be back there. And then, yeah, I think that's that's about it. Thank you. You hey, now. thank you very much, guys. If we didn't get to your questions, as, as I always say, I know we got so many more people coming in, subscribing and liking and coming in and making, having questions, making comments. Thank you for that. And guys, if we didn't get your questions now, we'll get them Tuesday, Friday. Keep coming in. Keep asking the questions. I'll do my best to get to all of them, and as will Bobby and Blake. And don't forget, you can head on over to InsideTexas.com if you're not Absolutely. a member. Get, pay $1 for your first month. Can't beat that deal. Or if you want to just go ahead and jump head first in, 25% off of your annual subscription right now at InsideTexas.com. Yeah, we had more notes from the scrimmage uh, posted this afternoon by Eric Nolene, Justin Wells. We have conti- more multiple articles up about freshmen standing out on Inside Texas right now. We actually, I put out the player comparisons today. Three guys committed to Texas, who they compare with on the current Texas team. We got a lot of team content, a lot of recruiting content. Head on over to Inside Texas, join the fun and the fast-growing community. All right, guys. Well, also, if you'll hit that like and subscribe button, we would definitely appreciate it. Definitely so. So that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football. For Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you next time.